Good Friday morning, and Hollywood is on strike. A once-in-a-generation walkout. It's July 14th. This is today. Cut. Hollywood grinding to a halt this morning. The first joint actor-writer strike in more than six decades now officially underway. This is a moment of history. That is a moment of truth. Overnight, the stars of Oppenheimer leaving in the middle of a premiere and a show of support. Virtually all production stopped. The two sides far apart. Disney weighing in. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. We will have the very latest from the picket lines. Unrelenting, that blistering heat wave shattering records across the West and South, set to get more intense and more dangerous this weekend. Las Vegas bracing for 117 degrees, 121 near Los Angeles. While in Texas, days of triple digits now leading to a historic demand for electricity. Al's got the forecast, including a new storm threat for the flood ravaged Northeast. Unsolved mystery, the Secret Service ending its investigation on that cocaine found inside the White House without identifying a suspect inside the decision now outraging some on Capitol Hill. Cancer risk, what a leading global health agency just revealed about a common artificial sweetener found in everything from diet sodas to gum, what you need to know just ahead. Surprising cause, Lisa Marie Presley's death, now linked to her weight loss surgery years ago, the just-released autopsy, and what it is revealing. Today, Friday, July 14th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good Friday morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us. We got to talk about this weather. That dangerous heat wave down south and out west is set to continue for another day and, yes, into the weekend. Yeah, consider this. Nearly 900 daily temperature records have been broken across the country since the beginning of June. And this weekend, by the way, one of the hottest temperatures ever recorded on the planet Earth is expected. 131 degrees in Death Valley. I'll have our full forecast for us in just a moment. But we will begin this morning with what would normally be considered a summer blockbuster mm-hmm. weekend for Hollywood. People coast to coast looking for a little escape from those high temps. Lots of movies to see. Yeah, in fact, uh, movies like the new Mission Impossible, they're out now. That's expected to make about $60 million in its opening weekend. But the real buzz in Hollywood is that actor strike, and it officially started at midnight. Yeah, the union failed to reach a contract deal with major film and TV studios. We're already seeing the effects, by the way. Members of the Oppenheimer cast walking out of the film's premiere in the UK overnight to, quote, write their picket signs. This is the first in what will be a summer of canceled red carpets and media appearances for Hollywood stars. So as for what it means for you, movie and show release dates will be pushed back with the majority of TV and film sets are likely to shut down indefinitely. Of course, this comes amid a writer's strike, what's being called a possible nightmare scenario for the industry. Lots to unpack here. We've got it covered, including what it means for your viewing habits when it could end as well. We'll start with morning news now anchor Joe Fryer, who joins us now. Joe, good morning. Savannah and Hoda, good morning. Actors will be on the picket line on both coasts later today, but already last night we saw big-name actors leave a movie premiere. The Actors Union says studios are making greed their priority. One of the top CEOs in entertainment says this strike will have a very, very damaging effect on the whole business. 
overnight, America's entertainment industry thrown into more turmoil. Movie and TV production grinding to a halt as Hollywood's biggest stars will go from reading lines to chanting on picket lines. About 160,000 performers are now on strike. Last night, the cast of Oppenheimer showed up for their London premiere, then left before the screening began to show their support for the strike. Everything was all set up, so we said, well, let's just let's just do it, you know, and then if they call a strike, we'll go home. It's a huge deal for me to be here. It's also a huge deal for me to be in lockstep with all of my peers. The strike means stars will pull back from promoting many projects already made. I'm very much in support of all the unions, and I'm a part of SAC, so I would absolutely stand by that. And that big-budget movie sets will go dark. On one side of the strike, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. That's the trade association representing big studios like Disney, Netflix, Warner Brothers, and Comcast, which owns NBC Universal. On the other side, SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Union. Fran Drescher is president. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. It is disgusting. Shame on them. The Actors Union is calling for better compensation and benefits, including residuals, a type of royalty that is shriveled in the streaming age. They also want to make sure their work is not replaced by artificial intelligence. In response, the Producers Alliance put out a statement outlining its offer, saying the deal featured historic pay and residual increases and a groundbreaking AI proposal adding the union has regrettably chosen a path that will lead to financial hardship for countless thousands of people who depend on the industry. Disney CEO Bob Iger on CNBC says the strike will hurt an industry that's still recovering from the pandemic. It is very disturbing to me. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. The actors now join writers who've been striking since May. The last time both the actors and writers were on strike at the same time, it was 1960. Think about it. That's when Gunsmoke was the top-rated show and Elizabeth Taylor was a megastar. That actor's strike lasted six weeks. This time around, Hollywood hopes to avoid a rerun. Savannah and Hoda. All right, Joe, thank you. Let us bring in CNBC's senior media and tech correspondent, Julia Borstein. She joins us from Sun Valley Conference in Idaho, where some top media CEOs are meeting, reacting to the strike. Uh, let's talk about this. We're describing it as a nightmare scenario. It's the writers and the actors. How bad is this going to get? I mean, it seems pretty bad based on the CEOs I've talked to here, and this could drag on for months. I think the fact that it comes after the writers have already been on strike since early May, we've already seen so much production shut down, and now everything is really going to come to a screeching halt at a time when the media industry is already struggling with declining advertising revenues and the fact that the box office has not fully returned to pre-pandemic levels. Now you don't have actors out promoting their films or their TV shows shows. You're going to have fewer new TV shows in the fall. So I think it's coming at a really tough time for the industry. Well, I mean, everyone's going to pay. The studios Mm -hmm. will pay because of this strike. The actors, Mm -hmm. the crews, I mean, well beyond those striking, it Mm -hmm. it affects this entire industry, a whole economy built around Hollywood. What will, I mean, since they're both getting hurt by production being stopped, Mm -hmm. what's going to bring people to the table and say, okay, let's work this out? 
I mean, look, it's going to take some time. And I have heard some speculation from CEOs and executives who are here that it could be it last until the fall and it could really be months. But I think the question here is how they understand this new streaming landscape to work and how they figure out a compromise around things like AI. And I also think it's going to be a question of how much each side is hurting. I mean, this fall TV season is going to look very different. The TV networks are going to be relying a lot on reality TV and on sports, and they won't have those new shows um, that usually bring people in um, for into the fall lineup and are really what the fall TV season is all about. All right. Julia Borstein for us there in Sun Valley. Uh, Julia, thank you. Thank you. As we head into the weekend, much of the country remains in the grip of extreme heat and severe weather. Both, by the way, could get even worse for tens of millions of us this weekend. Al standing by. He's got the full forecast details. But let's start with NBC's Erin McLaughlin. She's made her way to Las Vegas, where triple digit temps. Well, they're the norm. Erin, good morning. And it's hot already there. Yeah, that's right, Savannah. Good morning. The sun's not even out, and it's already 90 on the strip. Here in Las Vegas, it gets so hot, the sidewalk can give you third-degree burns. Just an example of some of the dangers we're facing out west, and it's expected to get even hotter this weekend. For millions living in the west and the south, the dog days of summer are turning out to be downright dangerous including Las Vegas, where 73-year-old Air Force vet Christopher Malcolm is being treated for third-degree burns. I sat down on a sidewalk waiting for the bus, and I guess the pavement was hot enough so that it got a burn. Sin City residents are bracing for what could be an all-time high of 117 degrees this weekend. Across town, an all-out effort to help the most vulnerable. Help of Southern Nevada Outreach Director Lou Lacey used to be homeless himself. In life, sometimes it takes rescued people to rescue people. Arizona's weeks-long hot streak is showing no signs of letting up. Today will mark day 14 of temps over 110 degrees. Phoenix looking to tie its record high of 116 degrees ahead of the weekend. With triple digits hitting the Golden State, Californians are struggling to stay cool. In Death Valley, if the desert region reaches its forecasted 130 degrees, it would be one of the top five hottest temperatures ever recorded on Earth. In Texas, the demand for electricity reached its highest point ever. It's very overwhelming and high. And while high temps smother some regions, heavy rains and flash floods are wreaking havoc elsewhere. Vermont is recovering from two months worth of rain in just two days and bracing for more. More than 200 people there were rescued from floodwaters this week, and there was at least one confirmed fatality. A summer deluge for some and sweltering heat for others, posing risks from coast to coast. Heading into the weekend, one in four Americans are living under heat alerts and local resources are stretched, which is why it's important, if you can, to check in on your neighbor, especially the elderly and the ill. It's very, very important over the next few days. Savannah. Absolutely. Aaron McLaughlin in Vegas for us. Thank you. For a closer look at what we can expect over the weekend, we say good morning to Al. Hi, Al. Hi. Good morning, guys. And good morning to you. It's a hot morning. for. We talk about Miami. They've got heat advisories in 
mean, we've got 82 million people across the Gulf into Texas, southwest, even into the Pacific Northwest. And take a look at this. Some of these heat advisories, these heat warnings last until Tuesday from Texas all the way into California, parts of uh, Nevada as well. El Paso, a record 28 days straight of 100 plus degree readings. Phoenix, 14 consecutive days of 110 plus. Vegas probably will hit their all time high of 117. Death Valley, 130 degrees would be a top five global record. This heat dome just stays put in place. Triple digits and records likely for Albuquerque into the weekend. Tucson, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Fresno, and Palm Springs as well. Plus, we've got rain to talk about. Heavy showers and thunderstorms. We've got flood warnings down to the south throughout parts of the Carolinas and Virginia. 18 million people impacted. Unfortunately for our friends in New England, we do have a flood risk, a very strong one. We've got a risk of flooding down through the lower Mississippi River Valley, but rainfall rates up to two inches per hour upstate New York on into New England. That could cause flooding. We're going to be watching the strong storm Saturday in the Ohio Valley, the Appalachians for Sunday. Abundant moisture for the Northeast. It's going to be a washout along the I-95 corridor. Monday, the rain moves off the coast. Sunshine will return. But take a look at some of these rainfall amounts, especially in New England, where we've already been ravaged by flooding. Four to six inches more rain through Sunday into Monday. And that is going to cause some major problems. Guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You got a busy plate there. Craig joins us with a decision that's sparking outrage from Mm -hmm. some in Washington. Indeed. Savannah, good morning. Hoda, good morning. And good morning to you as well. The Secret Service has now closed its investigation into the cocaine that was found inside the White House earlier this month, citing a lack of physical evidence to identify the person responsible. NBC's senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell joins us now with more on that decision. Kelly O, good morning to you. Good morning, Craig. This outcome, or really the lack of a result, is unsatisfying for lawmakers, especially Republicans who showed skepticism and frustration. Some are suggesting this unusual incident is a symptom of a bigger security vulnerability. This morning, case closed, but the mystery is still unsolved about who brought cocaine inside the West Wing of the White House. Tests done on the small plastic baggie of cocaine at the FBI crime lab did not develop latent fingerprints and insufficient DNA was present for investigative comparisons. After a classified briefing by Secret Service officials Thursday on Capitol Hill, House Republicans were incredulous. Every time there's something strange going on with the president, Biden, or his family, or anything (laughs) regarding his administration or the White House, no one can ever seem to find an answer. But without physical evidence, Secret Service officials say they could not connect the cocaine to anyone on the list investigators compiled using entrance logs and surveillance video. Sources said more than 500 individuals had access to this working entrance over several days before the drug was found on Sunday night, July 2nd. The baggie was left in a storage cubby for electronic devices not permitted in sensitive areas. The Biden family was away at Camp David. The White House said it is reviewing the findings. But Georgia conservative Marjorie Taylor Greene excoriated investigators for not conducting sweeping drug tests. Why they would not follow through on one simple task, and that is to drug test a list of 500 people that they have um, that are potential suspects. Democrat Jamie Raskin countered mass screening, including tourists and visitors, would cross a line. That, that would strike me as a, 
you know, a massively disproportionate and overblown response that would violate people's civil liberties. Officials do say the investigation has reinforced how rare this drug-related activity actually was. They reviewed years of records and found two incidents last year where individuals were stopped from entry with a small amount of marijuana, amounts legal in the District of Columbia, but not legal here on federal property like the White House. Craig? Kelly O'Donnell for us there at the White House. Kelly O, thank you. Now to a massive pipeline explosion happened in Texas and it rattled homes in the area. You could see, look at that, a huge ball of flames and a plume of thick black smoke. You could see it from miles away. This happened in Brazoria County, about 50 miles south of Houston. The company that owns the pipeline says the fire was caused by a chemical release. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. And officials say there's no impact on residents or nearby businesses. An air monitoring crew, however, is on the scene. All right. 716, a lot of weather to talk about, Al. That's right. In fact, the West is going to start to really heat up. We're going to be looking at parts of uh, Oregon seeing temperatures over 100 degrees, severe storms, midsection of the country, heavy rain down through the southeast, and showers and storms pushing through the northeast as well. Hopefully, Brad's concert gets through. Coming up in the next half hour, we're going to be looking at the air quality situation. Those Canadian wildfires mm-hmm. are going to be causing a problem. Okay. Still right now. Yeah. Thanks, Al. Uh, just ahead, the new health report raising health concerns about a popular sugar substitute. So do you really need to give up your diet soda? We're going to break down everything you need to know. All right. And then inside the summer travel trend that's got Americans packing hot spots all across Europe. Molly Hunter's on the story from a city that will look very familiar uh, uh, to Ted Lasso fans. But first, this is today on NBC. That's the block. Uh. Welcome back. It's 730. Okay, guys, it's also dark outside, some dark clouds. Al, please tell us how it's looking. Well, here's New York City, and there's this line that's developed, and you can see there are lightning strikes in here. So within the next 30, 40 minutes, we're going to be looking at some strong storms. And unfortunately for safety, we have to clear our plaza if there's lightning. But hopefully this moves through. There's not much behind it. If okay, anyone okay. could will the sun to come out, yes. it's my friend Hoda. Yes. So we're I doing think it. We're, we're doing it. it. We're doing it. Yeah, we'll okay. got it. Put in your request. Okay. Okay. First, though, in this half hour, a new report on, on that popular sweetener. It's getting a lot of attention this morning. The World Health Organization now categorizing aspartame as possibly carcinogenic to humans. The popular artificial sweetener can be found in thousands of products, everything from diet sodas to chewing gum. Okay, before everyone freaks out, we should point out there's a lot of context to consider here. We're not talking about a risk from drinking the occasional beverage here and there. It it was more like 9 to 14 cans of diet soda per day. And some U.S. health officials, such as the FDA, actually disagree with the WHO's findings. Okay, so let's break all of this down. We've got Dr. Tara Narula, a cardiologist Atlantic Hill Hospital, Northwell Health. Dr. Narula, okay, so I think a lot of people see the headline and go, uh-oh, uh-oh, but you really do have to consume a lot. So what is the WHO actually saying to us this morning? Yeah, I'm so glad that you pointed that out because we don't want people to panic. And it's yeah. important to look at the details of this report. And as you mentioned, aspartame has been around since the 1970s. It's mm-hmm. in over 6,000 products. And so the WHO convened basically two committees to look at this. The first committee was really tasked with looking at, is there any possible link at all with cancer? 
The second one was really looking more at what is the real world implication for Mm -hmm. people. So the first committee did, in fact, find limited, I use that word, limited evidence that aspartame is a possible carcinogen. This Mm -hmm. was really based on a review of three recent studies that pointed to a possible link to liver cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, They basically have four groups that they categorize substances in. Groups one, 2A, 2B. One is it kind of definitely causes cancer. And in that group are things like tobacco, alcohol, Mm. UV exposure. Group 2A, Mm -hmm. red meat, Mm. overnight working shifts, hot hot liquids. Group 2B, which is what they put aspartame in, is the same group that also has things like aloe vera, exhaust fumes, ginkgo biloba, um, pickled vegetables. I didn't know some of those things were carcinogens. Progestin-only birth control. Okay, but is that... So when you're in that category, is it really about the amount at that point. And that's what the second committee was really looking at is what is the implication of this? And they said, look, we're going to reaffirm the safe level, the acceptable daily intake for what we've been saying since the 1980s. And that is 40 milligrams per kilogram per day. Mm -hmm. And so as you mentioned in the intro, that translates for about a 154 pound person into about nine to 14 cans Mm -hmm. of diet soda. So we're talking about a really high level of exposure. In fact, the FDA's limit is higher, 50 mgs per keg per day, mm-hmm. which is about 75 packs of sweetener for someone who's 130 pounds. 75, you 75 said? packets. Oh, okay. that's okay. So this is a lot. I feel yeah. a lot better now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yes. So if, if you do, you know, sometimes use these artificial sweeteners, you know, to sweeten your drinks or right. other... Should you stop or should you just use sugar? Like, what should you do? Yeah, I think this is not meant to have people throw away their diet soda and their chewing gum. It's really, and the WHO said this in their press conference, it's meant to raise awareness that we need research. It's meant to make people pause and be mindful about how they're consuming. And look at really how you're consuming things. If you're using this in a moderate way and Mm -hmm. not drinking Mm -hmm. 30 diet sodas a day, you're probably fine. Um, But the point is, it's about a healthy palate of eating throughout the day. And what we don't want to do is really push people the other way to sugar. You know, Mm -hmm. as a cardiologist, we talk about limiting added sugar. And we know that Americans consume almost two to three times the amounts of added sugars that they should. We have an obesity epidemic, Mm -hmm. we have diabetes. So, Mm -hmm. yes, I think, you know, this is not meant to scare people. It's meant to raise awareness. So let's turn down the the volume. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Dr. Narula, thank you so much. So ahead here on this Friday morning, the sudden death of Lisa Marie Presley now being linked to a complication from weight loss surgery that she had years ago. We're going to have the very latest on that. But first, Molly Hunter has joined the sea of tourists. She's hitting a popular European destination this summer. Where are you, Molly? Hey, Hoda. Good morning. Look, I promise it is sunnier elsewhere in Europe. You're going to have to take my word for it. There are tons and tons of American tourists lying on beaches. Just not right here, but we'll tell you all about it coming up right after this. Back 739 now this morning on In-Depth Today. The hottest of hot spots when it comes to summer travel for Americans looking to get away. Yeah, this year, scenic destinations across Europe are swarming with more tourists than they've seen in quite a while. NBC's Molly Hunter joins us from one of the most popular places to be, rain or shine. Now, this is Richmond, and if you're a Ted Lasso fan, (laughs) you recognize this block. Hey guys, good morning. That's right. You will recognize this pub, of course. It is where Ted spent many an afternoon having a pint. But really, all across Europe, you guys, after a couple of years of all of those pandemic limitations, tourism is back. And the crowds this year are expected to exceed the 2019 pre-pandemic crowds, especially in those slightly sunnier locations. Take a look. 
Across the European continent, at some of the most glamorous summer destinations, tourists often outnumber the locals in these hot summer months. And this year, numbers are sky high. 55% more American tourists in Europe than last year. Officials in Rome say they could reach a record flow of 30 million visitors this year. There are a lot of tourists, this local resident says. Some extra buses wouldn't hurt. Many Americans descend on Italy's famed Amalfi Coast to the picture-perfect town of Portofino. But beware, don't linger long, or you could be fined more than $300 here for snapping a selfie. In Athens, tourists swarm the Acropolis, where visits in June and early July are already up by 80 percent compared to the pre-pandemic summer of 2019. And here in the UK, just outside of London, Americans are flocking to Richmond-upon-Thames. You may recognize it from the mega Apple TV hit Ted Lasso. Here's what we all came for. The one, the only, Ted's front door. And now the so-called Ted heads are taking tours of the show's stomping grounds. Super fans, yes? Like, yeah. like truly mega, know everything. Absolutely. Like, we watched the, we've watched the season three times as a family, and we all live in different places. She's in New York, he's in L.A., and we're in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, my hometown. And we love oh it. People are literally booking their tickets to come do this. Exactly. They are coming to London, but specifically to Richmond. And when they tell, you know, just a random British person they meet off the street, they're like, oh, I'm going to Richmond. They're like, why? And they're like, Ted Lasso, of course. So far, residents here seem to be enjoying the spectacle. One, two, three, Richmond! Or at least not complaining in that very British way. In scenic Switzerland, this small town of Isotwald, population about 400, is also overrun with tourists. Fans of the Korean Netflix series Crash Landing on You. And for a cool $5, you too can take a snap on the pontoon. In the fairy tale town of Halstead, Austria, the inspiration behind Frozen's idyllic Arendelle, locals put up a temporary fence to stop the selfie-taking masses. The fence now gone, but residents are still begging tourists to let it go. Now, one thing to know, you guys, prices really are higher from flights to hotels, even to the cost of food, basically across Europe. But here in London, at least with the weather, Ted Lasso fans know what they're getting into. And I got to say, you guys, even on this rainy, rainy day, we've still seen a bunch of people coming by taking pictures of that famed pub. I'll send it back to you. Molly, looks fun. Thank uh -huh. you. And the weather there looks like the weather here. <laughs> yeah, it's miss. Friday afternoon there, so you should go get it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I love it. Mr. Yeah. Roker, a lot of people looking at the dark skies out here. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people looking at smoky skies as well from Montana all the way to the Great Lakes. Canadian wildfire smoke is returning. We've got air quality alerts for much of Minnesota and in even parts of northern Colorado as well. Out west, we're looking at ozone, Canadian wildfire smoke as well. 22 million people at risk especially unhealthy for sensitive groups. I mentioned subtropical storm Don. It's not going to do anything, but Don is also the name of my meteorologist, Don Sunikis, and he doesn't do very much either. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Don is the, Don is the backbone of our, of, our, of our NBC climate. You know, I, just, I just had to put that there. If, without Don, I'm just going... Uh, so for today, we're looking at showers and storms of the northeast, heavy rain down through the Gulf, severe storms in the mid 
plains and that west out that heat out west is going to really intensify even into the pacific northwest as well and that's your latest weather guys all right al thank you coming up an exclusive live interview with aaron andrews her road to motherhood was not an easy one and we're so thrilled that she's got a brand new baby and we'll get to talk to aaron and her husband and hopefully see that babe yes just a little bit we've told you about simone biles's return to gymnastics well now another team usa gold medal winner just teased her own comeback we have all the details all right 